You are Locked On Red Sox, your daily Boston Red Sox podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Red Sox podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Jake Devereaux, joined as usual by my co-host, Matt Collins. We're here to bring you the best Red Sox coverage on the internet Monday through Friday, and we want to be part of your daily routine. So be sure to subscribe to us on Himalaya, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. This is your May 6th edition of the show, coming to you on a Monday. And on today's show, we're going to be talking about the weekend series versus the White Sox and uh, discuss you know, performance of Chris Sale, Michael Chavis, uh, a few more guys. Um, this uh, brings the Red Sox to 17 and 18, just one game back of 500. Uh, only five games back at Tampa Bay, and uh, they finally have an even run differential. Uh, this could have been a sweep if it wasn't for that blow up by Brazier. Um, so, yeah, things are looking pretty good here. Yeah, the fact that their run differential is even right now is absurd. <laughs> like, I feel like it was minus 40 like 10 days ago. Oh, something it was like, like that. Minus 60 something at one point. Yeah, but I mean, I feel like very recently it was very far from even. Um, yeah, they've just been demo- they demolished the White Sox this weekend. Like you said, it could have been a sweep. Arguably, should have been a sweep. I'm not going to complain that they didn't sweep a four game series. That's not an easy thing to do. Um, and the three wins were, like I said, I mean, they those were convincing wins. Um, the rally on Saturday was one of the wildest things I've ever seen in a baseball game. I mean, that was... I don't even know how to describe my face while I was watching that. Like, it was just totally unexpected and in the most wonderful way possible. Yeah, and if I recall correctly, there were two outs when that uh, rally started. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was... It wasn't, it wasn't just two outs. The guy retired the first eight batters and then the next 11 batters got on base. <laughs> I've never seen that before. And the poor guy had to sit there and give up 10 straight hits because the White Sox wouldn't lift him, but they were willing to put a position player in on Friday in a five-run game. I don't know what Rick Renteria was doing this weekend, but that I kind of felt bad for Benuelos there. Yeah, I did too, um, but not as much as I had fun watching it happen. Well, and I yeah, was, of course. I was kind of having an evil laugh while it all went down, but uh, yeah, once once Nunez homered, you kind of knew like that was yeah, that was definitely like the point where it was like, <laughs> all right, well, this is insane. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you're letting Nunez homer uh, when he's just back from the DL, something something's gone wrong. It was uh, like his second at bat, I think. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was impressive. Um, Bogey hit one too, um, two run shot from him. Chavis again. I mean, everybody's just hit, hitting bombs. And then Bogey again today had a grand slam. I mean, Bogey's Bogey's killing it lately. I mean, everybody's killing it. But yeah, he uh, that grand slam was crushed too. Um, it's kind of funny because uh, back to Nunez, he had that uh, twenty three mile an hour single. <laughs> With the bases loaded, and then Bogarts comes up and does that like two batters later. But uh, yeah, Eck was talking about it on the broadcast that he was like super not excited about hitting that grand slam, which was a little weird. Like he was just kind of expecting it, and 
That was like some 2018 vibes right there. Yeah, uh, and that was off of Calvin Herrera too, wasn't it? Yeah, Herrera was brutal in this game. Um, he was just – he had no idea where anything was going. He left with the trainer too. I, something was wrong with him. Well, thank God the Sox didn't get Calvin Herrera because that was a huge target for them over the offseason. I remember when that we was were my talking guy. about that uh, on the Over the Monster podcast, you were all about Herrera. Yeah, I always liked Herrera, and uh, he's been pretty good this year. Um, like I said, he left as a trainer. I feel like something's going on because, uh, I mean, he's got a 2.76 ERA, 2.71 FIP. I mean, he's been Calvin Herrera. Yeah, yeah, he's he's not been bad. I think it's just one outing that got him. The thing that I was worried about with him over the off season was just the health. Um, you know, obviously you said leaving today with the trainer, but um, he had been dealing with some arm issues uh, the year before, so I was, I was just a little split. concerned. Pretty sure it was his arm. I think it was a shoulder. Well, either way, I don't remember. Yeah, not important to this. What is important is I think it's fair to say we saw a little bit of vintage Chris Sale on Saturday. I mean, uh, on Friday night. Um, the thing that I loved most about Chris Sale's start um, was the fact that he finally was commanding all of his offerings. He got eight called strikes on his slider, seven on his changeup, seven on his four-seam fastball, and three on his two-seamer. Um, he had everything working. He had the velo up to almost 97. Um, this was money from Chris Sale. Yeah, this was far and away the best version of Chris Sale we've seen. Um, I thought the slider, he was commanding it, which is a huge step forward. It still wasn't quite as sharp as we've seen him at his best, which is, I don't want to make it sound like I'm complaining because... He was still, like I said, he was commanding. He just wasn't really getting the swinging, sw- swinging strikes we're used to. They were fouling a lot of them off. Um, but I mean, I'll take what he, what he gave them every single day. Um, the fastball being up there and being commanded was a huge step forward. So, um, there was probably a little adrenaline coming in. I'm sure he gets a little hyped up, uh, playing at Chicago. Uh, so we'll see what he looks like the next timeout, but I feel like this is kind of a, turning point for his season yeah i think so too uh he threw 70 strikes out of 104 pitches uh, and the line was six innings pitch just three hits one walk and 10 k's um so he had no problem just running through guys uh the whole night and then uh you know luckily for chris sale um bullpen held up just fine and we we finally saw our mystery man josh Josh smith Smith, yeah (laughs) Yeah, he appears. He's starting tomorrow, too. They just announced that. Wow. So we'll see more Josh Smith on Monday. I guess there was a reason why he was up after <laughs> all. <laughs> I cannot believe that he had been up that long and didn't pitch. But, yeah, we finally got to see him. He actually looked okay, though. I mean, this guy is not going to be a world beater, but yeah, he was solid. I thought they were bringing Thornberg in for that game, so I was not upset to see Josh Smith. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, one of the things that we have to talk about during that game, though, is the injury to Su Wei Lin, which uh, placed him on the IL. Yeah, that was um, a huge bummer. I don't believe they've given a diagnosis yet. Um, I did see something on Twitter saying that I might not be as, yeah, from Nesson.com, um, reportedly not as serious as initially feared, because, I mean, at first it looked like he was going to be gone for a while. 
Um, yeah, I heard so, mainstream, which I don't know what that really means. Yeah, I feel like that was just that's like something they say before they uh, get the full diagnosis. Um, and I still don't think they've announced exactly what's wrong and what the timetable is. But uh, I mean, the Red Sox obviously have the infield depth. I know nobody loves Nunez as a defensive second baseman and having Lynn for that would be great but uh, more than anything I'm just bummed for him especially if this is a long term injury Um, this is like sneaky uh, big year for him this is his last year with an option so he's kind of trying to make sure he can carve out a full uh, a full year spot in the majors somewhere next year so if he misses significant time that's uh, that's kind of a blow to the near future of his career. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised to, even even if the injury was serious, to see the team be okay with going with him as a bench option for next year, considering all the guys that aren't going to be uh, under contract next year for this team. Possibly. Um, but, I mean, I still think they're keeping hold. And, like, I, I think you're probably right, but, I mean, if he has a major knee injury, um, you never know what happens after that. Yeah, that's true. But like I said, it doesn't sound like that's the case, which is very good news. Yeah, uh, we we wish him the best. He's, uh, you know, it was it was interesting because he was actually playing a little center field uh, at the game that it happened. He's just one of these guys that's so versatile. You just you like what he does to the roster construction. Yeah, I kind of felt that. Um, he drew a walk that before he attempted that stolen base to. Uh, where he ended up getting hurt, and I had tweeted out that he was going to be a very solid bench player for a long time, um, and I liked him a lot, and then about 30 seconds later, he got injured, so I kind of feel like it's partially my fault. Yeah, I feel like it's your fault, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, it happens. Uh, anything else that stood out from you from the uh, Friday game? Uh, no, because I don't really remember anything else that happened. <laughs> I think uh, one big thing that stood out to ago. me was the uh, the Devers bomb. We hadn't seen a Devers bomb yet. Oh, and, yeah, that uh, was that game. That was a crush job. Who, mama. Yeah, he destroyed that. And then Chavis hit one even further. Yep. <laughs> like, yeah. Not De- long after that. Devers I forgot 436 that. and then Chavis 459. Tape measure was yeah. out that night. Yeah, that was wild. I totally forgot about that. It's been a long weekend. It sure has. Um, so the next night uh, was even better. We've already alluded to the just ridiculous inning that went through the 15th to uh, game. But any other major takeaways from that one? I think my biggest thing was just simply uh, Chavis's six, uh, four for six uh, with three RBIs. Just that he continues to do insane things and had two bombs that game. Yeah, um, he was definitely a standout. Also, Christian Vasquez had four hits. Which, uh, Chris Vasquez, I kind of feel like is being weirdly overlooked. Not like super overlooked, but I, he's been kind of killing it <laughs> this year. Uh, he's up to, I mean, he was brutal to start, so remember that. But he was, he's got a 98 WRC plus right now, which for a catcher is outstanding. Yeah. And over uh, the, like the last three weeks or so too, he's just been on fire. Yeah, over the last two weeks, he's actually got a WRC plus over 100, um, which is great for him. Um, and we we talked about this on the Over the Monster podcast today, but he's been walking more, uh, hitting the ball in the air slightly more, 
But the big thing for Christian Vasquez is he's been swinging at pitches out of the zone way less than he ever has before. Um, so he's just not chasing bad pitches anymore. And his exit velo and launch angle are higher than they've been in the past as well. So he's sort of completely improved as a hitter this year. Yeah, I mean, he he looks like he's got – he's just feeling so much more comfortable at the plate. Um, I don't know how much I believe it's going to stay. Um, i probably say at this point I'm ready to say he's – only slightly below a league average hitting catcher, and that's subject to change for the better, too, if this keeps going. Yeah, to give you an idea of how much his O-swing rate has changed, though, dude, it's kind of crazy. Um, for the last three years, he was kind of right in that 32, 33, 34% range. This year, it's down to 23.8%. Yeah, that'll uh, that'll help. Not it turns out not swinging at bad pitches helps your offense. Yeah, you know, it's it's not a bad plan up there. It's funny point. how that works. Yeah. So that was awesome to see that huge blowout. We hadn't really seen the team do anything like that uh, in a while. It seems like it's been probably since last year that we've seen something like that. And, and with that game and, and the game today uh, factored in, Red Sox are now third in the American League in runs scored behind Seattle, who's played in more games than them and just had a ridiculous like offense this season and behind the Rangers. So um, I was not expecting to look at those leaderboards and see the Red Sox ahead of the Yankees in runs scored at this point. That's wild. I guess, yeah, I mean, that's crazy. I guess we kind of forget how, just how bad the pitching was at the start of the year. So bad. Yeah. <laughs> it was so bad. It was pretty bad, Jake. Yeah. I gotta say. <laughs> they, uh, in, in runs scored, uh, runs against, I should say, they're still, like, one of the worst in the American League. They're, uh, tied with the Kansas City Royals for, uh, for runs against at this point. So, uh, even yeah, with funny. that monster differential, it's not great. But, you know, the plus side, Matt, is that, uh, after, um, playing the Chicago White Sox, um, these guys are going to get Baltimore and Seattle. And Baltimore and Seattle are the two worst teams in the American League in terms of runs against. So uh, a little, little bit of an opportunity for this uh, offense to eat. Yeah, the Orioles, I believe, give up something like two home runs a game. So uh, that should be fun. Yeah, and then after that, I believe they've got the Rockies coming into town, and they give up have given up 174 runs. So, um, the offense. That's has, a little skewed by playing in Colorado, but yeah. It's still, I mean. That's, I mean, yeah, no, no, for sure. That's going to be a nice little stretch for these guys. They better keep those it bats should going. Should be. Yeah. Yeah, it should be. I mean, they did. Like I said before the series started that they should win each of those next three series, and they got one down. So yeah. now it's on to just taking care of Baltimore. They really should sweep Baltimore, but I'll take two out of three. All right, we're going to take a quick break before we come back and uh, discuss the rest of the games against the White Sox. All right, Red Sox fans, I'm excited to talk to you about our newest sponsor, Loci. As I've told you before, I've been wearing Loci for a few years now. I actually have the Red Sox colors one, and not surprisingly, going to pick up the Bruins uh, one for the playoffs. Uh, they are infused with water from Mount Everest, the highest point on Earth, and mud from the Dead Sea, the lowest point on Earth. 
It's a daily reminder to help you find your balance during life's highs and lows. As a sports fan, we definitely experience highs and lows throughout the season. Loka's Game Day Collection helps you stay humble and hopeful while repping your team's favorite colors. And with 10% of net profits donated to incredible charities, you can support your team and support causes around the world. I know the bracelet my mom purchased actually supported the Alzheimer's Foundation. So since Loki is a friend of the show, they are offering you an exclusive discount of 20% off of all game day collection bracelets. Go to loki.com and use the promo code BostonRedSox, all one word, to take advantage of this amazing deal. That's Loki, L-O-K-I dot com, and use the code BostonRedSox for 20% off. So get out there, grab a bracelet for yourself, for someone else, and, uh, Catch the playoffs and catch the Sox. All right, welcome back for segment two, Matt. Um, let's talk about today's game uh, for the Red Sox uh, against the White Sox. We had Rick Porcello on the bump today, uh, went six strong, uh, gave up five hits, zero walks, which was another sign that Porcello is coming around, seven strikeouts. A bunch of those strikeouts came early in the game. He did start to struggle later on. Um, he was pitching a shutout for a while, uh, and then he gave up a couple bombs. But overall, I thought another really positive uh, outing for Rick. Yeah, for sure. Um, like you said, he did give up those two home runs, and those were two extremely bad pitches. But uh, that's kind of Porcello's MO, is that he's going to give up a home run or two in every start. When he's not walking guys, it doesn't matter a ton because they're generally solo home runs, and that's what well, that was the case in this game. So I'm fine if he's going to give up a solo home run or two. It is what it is. Um, I thought that what was most interesting was that coming off um, that last start against Oakland where he was just out of his mind, um, he obviously wasn't quite that good, but he was still really good, and he kind of did it in a different way. Um, that last start, it was like all sliders and he threw a bunch of two seamers. And this time, uh, it was a lot of four seamers and early he was featuring his changeup a lot, although he kind of got away from that. Um, so I think it's pretty encouraging that he's been able to do this for now three starts in a row. And, uh, he's kind of using a different approach every time. He doesn't really have to stick to the same game plan to succeed. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, I think he realized pretty early on that he didn't love his changeup today. He did end up throwing 12 of those, uh, like you said. But what kind of got me was he didn't throw any of them for called strikes. And I have a feeling that he just wasn't really into it. Um, but we kind of saw a Rick Porcello that we had seen in the past when he was uh, super four-seam heavy. Uh, and getting a lot of strikes high in the zone. Um, and that's where he got a lot of his swings and misses today. So uh, it was a little bit of a, I don't know, 20, 2015 version, 2016 version? 2016 was the year he won the Cy Young. So Let's go with 2015 then. I don't remember. Rick Forcello is so weird. I don't remember any of his years besides 2016. I kind of like uh, the mix. I, I think he's at his best when he's almost a perfect uh, mix between his two-seam and four-seam. When he could kind of give those two different looks up and down in the zone, um, I think that's when he kind of thrives. Yeah, um, I agree. Uh, the, the one thing that I'd say is 
I thought the slider was so good for him last time out, and I know it was you know, part of the game plan against Oakland, who just can't hit the slider right now. Um, but I would have liked to see him feature that pitch a little bit more, although he didn't seem to love that pitch today either, only getting one swinging strike on 17 of those. Yeah, and I kind of feel like after that start, um, if you're the White Sox, you're kind of coming in sitting on that slider. And so Porcello is probably aware of that, and then he knows that he could sneak some fastballs by him, especially early. So um, I wouldn't be surprised if we see him go back to the slider a little bit more during his next start. A little slide, Johnson? No, all right, Eck. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> uh, so he did get his uh, his fastball up pretty high, though, today in terms of velocity. He was sitting like 90 uh, most of the game, but he got it up to 93. Um, and I, I don't remember him being in the 93 range that much over the course of his starts. I mean, obviously that was his max, but I feel like that's a pretty good velo for him. Yeah, I mean, it's not, like, I'm not, like, blown away by it or anything, but, yeah, I mean, that's solid. That's kind of, you kind of want him, and you don't want him in the high 80s, I'll say that. So he was, he avoided that. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. He looked good. Um, any other standouts from today's game in terms of offensive performances? Uh, Devers was really good. He had a couple of... uh hard hit balls the other way which I mean we've talked about a million times Devers, is, when Devers is going the other way with authority uh, things are going really well um, and one of them turned double, right? yes and uh, one of them turned, the single turned into a wild play where the White Sox threw the ball away twice and Devers uh, very gracefully chugged along all the way to third <laughs> base, um, that was fantastic that was peak uh enjoying watching Devers, so uh, I think he was kind of the the guy in this game. He was smoking the ball. Um, he's just been smoking the ball now for like two weeks in a row. It's crazy. Seems like everything he hits is wicked hard. Yeah, and I mean, his approach right now is just, we've never seen this from him. And uh, He's going he's gonna to start. I mean, we would already talked about that bomb he hit on Friday. Uh, he's going to start doing... He's going to start hitting a lot of home runs soon. It's It's got to come. Yeah, I agree. Um, everybody in this offense is really feeling themselves. The only person on the Red Sox who is still just not really feeling himself is Jackie Bradley. But Bradley did have a hit today, so he showed a little bit of life. Yeah, he also I mean, he also had a uh, line drive that he spoke right at the second baseman. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he's still – we're still waiting for him to come around. We're also still waiting for Steve Ferris to come around. Um he had a couple big spots early in the game where he hit into he hit ground balls to end innings um, that could have extended the lead a little bit. But uh, so I'm sort of worried about Jackie Bradley. I'm kind of getting extremely worried about Steve Pierce. Yeah, it's just not what you're expecting to see from him. Even when Steve Pierce has a bad game, you don't expect him to go 0 for 5 with three Ks. Uh, that's just not what you see from him. Um, so yeah, I agree. I'm I'm certainly nervous about about Steve Pierce, um, but I don't know. It, it is what it is. I trust that he's a professional and that he's gonna get this under control. Um, and hopefully, with Jackie, you know he's he is starting to hit the ball harder. It seems like so. Hopefully, he can just kind of play his way out of this slump. And we've seen it a million times before. It's just uh. 
it's it's long. But the offense, as we've seen over the weekend, can can deal with one or two of these guys going bad right now. And you're usually not going to see Steve Pierce. The reason why you saw him today was because Betts was on the bench. Yeah, I mean, Pierce against the righty is definitely out of the norm. But, uh, yeah, I mean, like you said, when they're playing like they should, they can absorb guys who are still trying to figure something out. So that uh, that about does it for the um, the weekend part of the series. But an interesting thing that did happen uh, over the weekend was that the Red Sox claimed uh, Joey Carletta off waivers from Seattle. Um, can you tell us a little bit about Carletta, who's 25 years old? Um, I can tell you exactly a little bit about Carletta because <laughs> I had never heard of him until the Red Sox claimed him. But, uh, yeah, he's uh, a little on the older side. He's 25. Um He's been a pro for a while now, I think seven years. Yeah, seven years. Uh, he won the Texas League, which is double-A uh, player of the year last year. Uh, he's shown some power. He's a big, big boy. Um, he got some comps to Daniel Vogelbach, uh, I think largely because of his size and also that they both play in the Mariners organization and uh, scouts are like the least creative people on earth. Um but, yeah, he's struggling this year. He's a right-handed first-base-only guy. It kind of seems weird that they would use a spot on this, but uh, like I was saying to you before the show, it kind of feels like they had a scout who saw him, who saw some sort of mechanism going on with the swing or something, and they feel like they can unlock another level, make him more consistent. And so they had two open forward man spots. Um, they were kind of weak on uh just offensive depth in general um in the high minors so you take a chance if it doesn't work out you dfa him it doesn't really matter too much so it's not the most exciting move but it involves a 40 man so it's worth thinking about at least yeah it seems like he actually has an idea of what he's doing at the plate though um that 2018 season that you were talking about um 23 dingers and uh 14.6 percent walk rate with only striking out 23.4 percent of the time um that's pretty good so um there's clearly yeah. a little bit of a uh offensive approach here for the the team to work with so maybe they can get something out of them and you're getting them for nothing so why not yeah i mean that's the thing but i mean it should be mentioned he's been old for every level he's been at uh, I feel like the last three or four years, so um, that certainly, obviously, in his advantage. Yeah, I agree. Uh, any updates on uh, any of the injuries from Brock Holt or Dustin Pedroia? Uh Pedroia's been rehabbing in Portland. I don't know what he did today. Uh, he didn't um, play he the first three game hits today. Yesterday. He didn't play the first game today. I don't know if he played the second game. Maybe you could fill me in on that. Uh, but... Yeah, so he's still rehabbing. I think he's going to be rehabbing for a little while. Um, Holt, I want to say they are hoping he can start baseball activities in the, the next week or so. So um, both of these guys probably aren't super close, but they're getting there. Yeah, so uh, I'm looking at it right now. Um, let's see. So Pedroia played the first game. He didn't play the second game. That's what it was. So uh, first game he... Uh, went 0 for 2 and left one guy on base and then second game he didn't play. So Well, it's good he's playing on back-to-back days. I mean, that's a step forward. Yeah. Um, in terms of 
uh, when Pedroia comes back. The move is probably going to be Josh Smith, right? But uh, Presumably. What happens when Holt comes back? Uh, I mean, I think there's enough time between now and then that it's sort of hard to speculate, but if things stay generally as they are now when Holt comes back, I still think a phantom IL stint for Pierce is the most likely to help him try and figure something out. Yeah, I agree with you. They want to preserve as much depth as they can, so they'll probably do that. Um, That's our show. We hope you enjoyed it. Um, Be sure to subscribe to us so we can be part of your daily routine. If you like the show, please go on, rate, and review us, and follow us on Twitter. You can follow us at at LO underscore Red Sox uh, for the Locked On account. You can follow Matt at Matt R.Y. Collins. And you can follow uh, me at at Dev Jake. You can ask us questions and interact with us there. Uh, you can also urge other Red Sox fans to subscribe to the show. We always appreciate that. And fans of the league as a whole uh, can tune into Locked On MLB to get an overview of what's happening in the league in just 15 minutes. So thanks so much, and we'll be with you for Tuesday's edition of the show.